This is Take a Second, a weekly Come Follow Me podcast that focuses on finding the Savior in the Old Testament, and then how we might teach it in family or ward settings. I'm Brian Ricks, and Stuart Black is joining me to make sure that we stay on the rails. We are recording the podcast from the Student Lounge at the Pocatello Institute. So thanks for joining us for our lunchtime discussion of this week's Come Follow Me Scripture Block. All right, well, welcome back to the Institute uh, Lounge, and hopefully this time our audio work. We'll only have to do one take this week. That's right. And once again, in front of a live studio yeah. audience. Um, and we'll get maybe some feedback from them later on in, in just a little bit. But today we're going to do uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And I love, I like these two books being positioned right next to each other, especially because of uh, Elder Hafen's book, Faith is Not Blind. Have you read that? I have not. It's a good one. I strongly recommend it. I will. Um, Elder Hafen, I think he, in, in his book, Faith is Not Blind, I think he presents one of the great challenges to being a member of the church in the 20th century and, and one of the dilemmas that I think a lot of people face. We're taught in primary these, uh, hey, thank you. We're taught in primary these simple truths. If you do this, then this will happen. And I remember as a seminary teacher early on, I was taught to teach that way teach these principles in an if-then if statement. Yep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and the problem is, is that sometimes we do the if, and for whatever reason, the then doesn't fall into place as simply as it was taught to us. Yeah. If you pray, then you get an answer. Uh, and and I, I remember, I, I don't know, I, I remember there's been several experiences in my life where I look back and I see where the, I've done the if and the then hasn't happened. And it puts you in kind of a little bit of a, uh, it can put you in a fog. Yeah. Uh, Elder Hafen's book describes it as living in that day when everything's simple, like that, that simple faith that's not been tested, that's not, that's just, that is kind of almost living in a bubble. And then you spend time in this river. When I was doing a, a, my, my doctorate and was writing the dissertation, my chair said, right now you stand on this side of the river and you think you know everything about this topic, and it's I, and you think you just know everything possible about it. But I I've got to have I've got to push you enough that you get out into the river, and you'll start drowning, because you realize there's so much more you didn't know, and then when you come out on the other side of the the river, you're gonna look back and you're you're going to be confident. You're gonna have your confidence back again, and then you'll really know the topic. And I don't remember who Elder Hafen uh, quoted, but he said he. It was like an, an Emerson or somebody in that kind of that category. The English literature, yeah. Talked about this idea that I, I wouldn't give a fig for the simplicity on this side of complexity, but I would give everything for the simplicity on the other side of complexity. And it's this idea that with faith, if it's never been tested, if it's just that simple, naive, untested faith, it's, it's, it doesn't have the same power that that faith that has been challenged and tested in the rigors. And I see you, you, when you take Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is a bunch of these if-then statements. It's a bunch of these wisdom. Yeah. If you do this, then this will happen. If you raise a child up, then they're going to be They'll never children. leave it. Yes. They'll never make a bad choice. And then Ecclesiastes is kind of this, it's kind of this real-world perspective. Like, yeah. man, I've been doing everything. I tried to get wisdom, and everything is vanity. Yeah. Like over and over again in those early chapters in Ecclesiastes, this, he, he returns to this idea that everything is vanity. Nothing is, 
really worth it because at the end we all die and, and what's the point? And so it's kind of this balance between simple faith approach to the gospel and this realist. And I think for a lot of us that we have both of those in us. We have that simple faith teaching and we also have, you know, if you've lived at all in this life, you have that realist that's grappling with the gap between reality and simple teachings of the doctrine. Yeah. And as you're mentioning that, you just, um, you're, you're probably familiar with the, with the movie, What About Bob? And uh, there's, a, there's a point where, uh, where Siggy, their son, is trying to learn to be taught how to dive by Professor Leo Marvin. And he says something along the lines of this to his dad. He says, what's the point, dad? Diving, not diving, we're all going to die anyways. And so he's saying, like, who cares? And it reminded me as I was reading through Ecclesiastes that when the, when the preacher says vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He's like, who cares? If I dive, if I don't dive, I'm going to die. It really doesn't matter. And then there's this phrase, though, in Ecclesiastes 1 in verse 3. And, and I kind of wanted to start here because I feel like Ecclesiastes is uh, downer is not the right word for it. But it's kind of the life is pointless. Yes, it's a realist approach. Yeah. To life. And, and he says this in verse 3 he says, what profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? And this phrase under the sun appears a few different times uh, in this chapter and, and throughout, this, uh, throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, where under the sun is mortal life. That you're exactly right, that life, if all you have is mortal life, then a lot of stuff's vain. If you work hard, who cares? If you don't work hard, who cares? You're, diving, not diving, it doesn't matter, we're all going to die. If you have that perspective of, this is all I've got. And, and when you're talking about that river of complexity, when we feel like we're really drowning in those things and that, that struggle and that wrestle uh, and that grapple is going on inside of us, if we get just so consumed with the here and now perspective, you're right. Because people will get to that point where they think, I taught my kids the gospel, what was the point? Or I went to the temple and, and I made covenants and my spouse did not. What's the point? Or all of these, these tragedies happen and you're right, under the sun, it would all be horrible. But God doesn't just work under the sun. He works under his divine plan of forever. So I think that was a, a kind of an eye-opening thing for me that by the end of Ecclesiastes, he's kind of resolved that conflict of there's more to it. Yes. Don't get stuck with just the here and now. Yeah, and I love, I, he talks about um, in chapter 2. He says, uh, therefore I've hated life because the work that is wrought. He's, he's, just, he's already explained the first part of the chapter. I've, I've striven for wisdom. The Proverbs ends and says, here's the key to wisdom, and this is all the reasons why you want it. And the Ecclesiastes, the writer's saying, I've done that, and now I've come to this really harsh reality that I've accumulated all this stuff, I've built this name for myself, but I'm gonna die and I'm gonna have to leave it to someone. And he says, yeah, I've hated my, all of my labor, which I'd taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet he shall have rule over all my labor, wherein I have, I, where I, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. And he's, so it's this, it's, he's, he's really wrestling out with the complexity of, I've tried so hard to, you know, if, if, I'm, if, I'm a, if I'm a dad, I've tried so hard to raise my family in wisdom and with the gospel. And, and at some point, they're going to turn 18 and they're going to leave. And then who knows whose influence they're going to be under. Yeah. And, and is all of the effort that I've made over the last 18 years, has it been worth it? 
and and I do like the, the thing I love about the Ecclesiastes is because I because I am a little bit more of a realist and I like I like seeing that in the scriptures I like seeing the fact that that others have wrestled with the reality as well and the, and eventually you get to the end where this this writer comes to the point of I'm so glad we're not you know I'm so glad that mortality isn't everything yeah I I was thinking too that you're talking about being short-sighted and and these wrestle and I I just thought it short-sighted people are never satisfied there there's always something that's going to lack there's always an answer that just doesn't just make it ring true or come back around for them and and for me that was I as I studied it I thought if I was teaching this this is probably what I would do I might mention some of those things from Ecclesiastes and then go back to Proverbs and then resolve them through Proverbs and resolve them through the latter part of Ecclesiastes to show that, listen, you have to put this back into the context of where it needs to be, that it's not an absolute here in earth in a vacuum, but an absolute in God's plan of forever. And uh, I, I, that, that for me as a, as a teacher kind of just rung true for me. So um, I, a bunch of years ago, it's been over a decade now, um, President Ballard gave a, um, he shared a story called uh, Flex of Gold, or it was about a prospector who uh, leaves Boston. This is April 2011. This prospector, the story goes, leaves Boston because in 1849, he hears about a big gold rush in California with nuggets and rivers so big you could barely carry them out of the river. That your number one problem is the strength to carry the gold. This guy sells all that he has. He goes out to California and he starts panning for gold. And after a few days, he hasn't found anything. And an older prospector walks by and he says, that's quite a pile of rocks. And he says, there's no gold in here. There's no gold in the river. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing in here. And the prospector says, there's gold in there, all right. And he says, I, what? And he takes these two rocks and he smacks them together. The rocks burst open and there's just flecks of gold inside of them. And the, the young prospector blows him off and says, I, I don't want that. I want big nuggets like the ones in your pouch. And this, he looks down, he's got this bulging pouch filled with gold. And the prospector, the older one, opens it up and it's filled with tiny flecks. And he helps him see that it wasn't just one thing, it's filled with it. As a teaching idea for Proverbs, what I would probably do is I might show, the, the church has a little video clip, it's about three minutes long, Flex of Gold is what it's called, um, and show that clip with, and then Elder Ballard talking about there's so many little things that add up to big things, and to me that's what the Proverbs are. Each one of these is like a little bumper sticker, a little fleck of gold that taken by itself, you're like, it's barely worth my time. But when you compound them all together, you have this bulging pouch, so to speak, of a testimony where you realize I, I have so much when I put all of it in context, when I put all of it together. So I would literally print out some of these proverbs on a yellow piece of paper. I'd cut them up, just glitter bomb them. Just put them all over the classroom, all over your house, if you're studying with your family, however you want to do it, and then say, find your little fleck of gold and give people an opportunity to read through it silently and say, what did you find that really was, became your nugget? I, I do like the idea of reversing the order of this and starting kind of like what we did here, jump to Ecclesiastics and get, yeah. and just to address the realists, the fact that we get it. I, I think sometimes one of, the, one of the knocks against people who, who live, uh, or at least attempt to live a life of faith, is that we're not, we're not real. You, it's, it's, you know, faith, you know, blind faith, and you're not living in the world, and you, you don't, you don't get it. 
Uh, you live in a bubble, and I think to address the fact right up front that I can live in reality and in a life of faith, and, and I would address that, that the, in order to do that, that eternal perspective is necessary. Yeah. You, you can't take Proverbs and assume that God's going to do all of this or fulfill all of these nuggets within the time frame of between birth and death. Yeah. So much of this is going to take place later. And then, and once you have that perspective locked in, then you can go back and talk. Because, I, because these are so black and white, um, you have to have that perspective. Then you can, you can start playing with it. And I, I, chapter 10 in Proverbs is one of my favorites uh, because it has this juxtaposition uh, structure. And, and you find these throughout, a lot, throughout all of the Proverbs here and there, but chapter 10, it seems like all of the Proverbs in this chapter have this structure, and it, it, it creates a statement, and then the word but kind of juxtaposes the opposite. Yeah. So the very first one uh, in verse 2, uh, or verse 1, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. And and it's the, the, the structure, like a lot of Hebrew poetry, is this compare and contrast parallelism yep. yes so here we've got the, the the author is saying the same thing now in this case sometimes in isaiah's writings and daniel's writings and other places they say the same thing that and, and their synonyms said differently here he's saying the same thing but he's using the power of contrasting or yeah. opposites yeah and and i i just love and and the word but is your signal that's where hey this is now it's the opposite switching to the other side so i think if i were to teach this I think what I would do uh, is I would give the first half. So I would take a look at verse 2 and say, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing but... And so then flip got, it. Yeah, and then, and then you flip it. And if I've got older, if I've got some older students, I'd let them just take it. What's the opposite of treasures of wickedness profit nothing? If I've got some younger kids, I might give them the first part of, you know, so I might, I might go a little bit further and say, but righteousness delivereth... And, and let them fill in the blanks. And I would just let them just go through and kind of write their own proverbs. Yeah. Um, it, it's something you could do really quick. You could have everybody do one or two, or you could have, if, if you've got a smaller group, you could have everybody do half of them yeah. and just take some real time. It's, this would be one of those fun accordion-type activities. Yeah. It can be as short as you want it or as big as you want it, but just to get the feeling of the proverbs. And I, and I feel like if you were to do that with the first nine verses and then go through the rest... All of a sudden, that parallelism, once you start to catch a hang of it, it starts jumping out at you. Yeah. And getting used to it is going to help you when you get to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel. And what a great skill to practice at whatever level people are studying that at. And at the beginning of, of, uh, of today in, our, uh, in this podcast, we asked all the students in here to share what are some proverbs, what are some wise sayings, what are some, and what a great lead in to do just something like that just very fast. And then to say, okay, here's some of the ones that the Lord has said. So some of the ones that the students in here mentioned that the early bird gets the worm and the um, don't look a gift horse in the mouth and just, you know, sayings like that, that our grandparents and parents have said our whole lives that as little kids, you roll your eyes. And then as a parent, you find yourself saying them again yep. and again and again to and, your parents and or to your kids. Is, so we might even say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, but we probably don't even know what it means. Like that was said to us so many times in context of something. Yes that we just repeat it because it's now connected with a certain behavior yeah. or a certain lack of behavior that most of us today in the 21st century, we have no idea. 
what that means. Uh, so I think that's a that's a great lead in. Um, one of the other parts for me, I guess, at the at the beginning, if I was sharing the flex of gold and you watch that video and you cut them up uh, in Proverbs one, the, he kind of outlines the purpose. He says that these are Solomon. Solomon's famous for being wise. Um, and so a lot of these are attributed to Solomon, um, these wise sayings, so to speak. Um, but uh, in, in verse, verses one through five, it, it spells out the purpose. What, why is it that wise keep, people keep learning and ignorant people don't? That they think that they've arrived at this moment, but all wise people think, I want more. I want more knowledge and knowledge and knowledge. And it's because I think that they, they, aren't fall, they haven't fallen into the trap of Ecclesiastes of vanity of vanities, everything's vain. Life is like, why else would you learn? What's the wisdom in learning if all you're going to do is die? Yeah. If just learn enough stuff and then quit. But, and that's the beauty of Proverbs is it expands that a little bit and says, no, there's, there's more to come. There is, there is wisdom in learning. And, and as part of that wisdom, I, I, just, just, uh, I just love verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I, I have a quote written in my scriptures from David O. McKay. He didn't write it in, I did. But uh, uh, it says, Reverence is profound respect mingled with love. And I think that's often how we, um, how we make that connection for us. But it reminded me in the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, right at the very beginning, at section three, where Joseph is given the 116 pages to Martin. And Martin's lost them because he, did, he, may, he, uh, he didn't keep his word with Joseph. And, and you'll remember these verses here in section three. Uh, this is verse seven. And, and something so unique about Joseph Smith is that when he gets revelations for him, he's in the audience just like us. Mm -hmm. He does not just, it's not always about other people. He is first and foremost also listening to the Lord. And, and that is something I love about the Doctrine and Covenants. He is not immune to correction and help from the Lord or learning from the Lord as we're talking about Proverbs and sayings. But in, in section three, verse seven, the Lord says to Joseph, for behold, you should not have feared man more than God. Although men said it not the counsels of God and despise his words, yet you should have been faithful. And he would have extended his arm and supported you against all the fiery darts of the adversary. And he would have been with you in every time of trouble. Behold, thou art Joseph and thou wast chosen. And if thou art not aware, thou wilt fall. But remember, God is merciful. And the reason I, that same connection is in, back in verse seven, he says, you shouldn't have feared man more than God. And, and back in 2004 at a CES fireside, Elder Christofferson said this about the fear of the Lord. He said, in our day, we generally interpret the word fear as respect or reverence, like President Ol McKay did. He said, that's great. Um, that is the fear of God means the love of God or respect for him and his law. That may be a correct reading, but I wonder if sometimes fear doesn't really mean fear, as when the prophets speak of fearing to offend God by breaking his commandments. We should so love and reverence him that we fear doing anything wrong in his sight whatever may be the opinions of or pressure from others. And I think that is such good wisdom. And, and for me, as I, if I read verse seven, I'd connect that back to the story in church history. Um, and I would just say, Joseph got $50 from Martin, which back in the day was a lot of money. But what has Joseph really gotten from the Lord? What, what blessings has he received from his hand? The blessing of being a seer, of translating the Book of Mormon, of being able to be an instrument in God's hand for great things. All of those things, I think it's that perspective of, I, I really love God so much, I don't want to disappoint Him. 
I've had coaches like that in my life that I felt that about. I've had friends and family members I felt that about in my life. My mission president I felt that about, that I loved him so much, I, I didn't want to disappoint. I wanted to do everything I could, and the fear of the Lord's the beginning of knowledge. When you really want to do everything you can for the Lord, I think lots of other things fall into place for that. And I think, and one of the dangers of of not recognizing that source, Proverbs 2 addresses that. It's, it talks about crying after knowledge and seeking for understanding. Verse 4, if you'll seek her being the knowledge and the understanding as silver and search for it as, you, as for hidden treasures, if you will make the pursuit of this kind of godly knowledge and wisdom as, as serious a pursuit as you do for your, your daily bread, as your salary, as, you know, first question kids ask when they get to, or kids, first thing, a, kids, 18-year-olds, they're still kids, first thing they ask when they get to college and they start considering a, a, what major, how much does it make? What's the payout? What's yep. the pay, right? It's, it's, it's on the forefront of their minds. And if we, make this, if we make searching for wisdom and knowledge from God that eminent or that, that, the forefront of our minds like that, then, in verse 5, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, uh, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and his understanding. And, and the Proverbs sets up early on, the, the theme of wisdom is one of the major themes through this whole yeah. book. And it, and it makes it very clear that God is the source of that. Uh, Elder Talmadge has an experience in his, in his life when he's in college. So he's uh, early 1880s, he goes back, he's at, uh, I think he's at Bethlehem at the University of uh, at the University of Bethlehem, not the University of Bethlehem. Where is he? Is it the University in Lehigh, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, at the University of at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and then uh, while he's back there, he's having a conversation. It, it, or this may have been from when he was at Johns Hopkins. It's one of those two schools. But they're having a conversation with a student who is convinced that they make salt by turning salt water, turning ocean water into salt. Evaporating it somehow. No, no. He, the water oh, no. turns into salt. Oh, okay. He's convinced. Cause, and, and, and other Talmud says the danger with his type of knowledge is that you couldn't convince him otherwise because he had seen it with his own eyes. Hmm. He said, and, he, and, the, and the student, the other student explained to Elder Talmud in this other group that he watched a group of men take a pot of, of seawater and put it over heat and turn it into salt. The concept of evaporation and the fact that the salt was already in the water had totally escaped huh. him. But, and, and if we become convinced, if we, if we become convinced that we're the source of the knowledge or that other people are the source of the knowledge, yeah. we stop short of finding the real font and we're gonna come up short. Uh, and I think, you know, as you go through these, there's a lot of them. Proverbs 3 is kind of maybe one of the most famous Proverbs of all. Uh, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. When you think about all the face-to-faces that we've had with, with members of the 12 or church historians, and anytime they've let them do a Q&A, one of the questions that seems to come up every single time is, how do I know if it's me or the Spirit? Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes I get frustrated with that question because I'm like, they answered that last time. <laughs> Review I think, it. <laughs> I think Proverbs 3, 5 explains, yeah. you know, there's this dilemma. This, it's difficult sometimes to trust in the Lord versus when, when what I want gets in the way. But the Lord is the source of that, of that knowledge. And, and as we seek Him, as we make that 
the, our priority, eventually the Lord will distill that out. And, yeah. and it comes in the way of scriptures or prophets or, or personal revelation. And, and just speaking about, and, and for me, I think this was kind of the hope I take from Proverbs, is that this idea of uh, seeking knowledge and finding wisdom, that you have to involve the Lord. Any type of that other learning you will miss out on. And so for me, I, I think one of the biggest takeaways or the lessons from it uh, gave me hope. The hope that the ball's in my court. If I want wisdom and if I want understanding, God gives it. I take a lot of, a lot of hope and faith in that promise when God says, ask and I'll give it. Seek and you'll find it. Every time that the Lord says that, I, I take a lot of trust with that, that the Lord is saying, the wisdom relies or, or it ha depends on me, and if you involve me, you'll be wise. I will, I will take care of you in your life. I, I promise that. And I, I think that any study that we have in our lives, if we involve the Lord in it, we get the right thing because God's truth, and that's where we find truth, and that's how he leads our path to the right way back to him. Whatever that path may end up looking like, specifically for each one of us, it always involves the Lord and His Son. It has to. And, and I think that's, that maybe is the great merging point of the idealistic in Proverbs yeah. and the realistic from Ecclesiastes is here are the truths. And sometimes when you're living under the sun, these truths don't play out right now like you'd like them to. Uh, you know, for example, in, in back to Proverbs 11, he that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in the harvest is uh, a son that causeth shame. Uh, blessings are upon the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Well, what, what happens when violence reaches the house of the righteous? Because you're living under the sun. And that's where the, the, the involvement of the father and the son take the messiness of living under the sun and they, can, and they can still fulfill perfectly every with Doctrine and Covenants, yes. every word, as though whether it's from the voice of my servants or, my, or, or myself, it's the same. Every word will be fulfilled, and that's only done through, through God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen to that. And that, that's because of that perspective that they have that it, it, you're right, it all works out always because of God and His Son, because they know that their timetable is not ours. And there's no greater wisdom than entrusting their timing for us. I don't know. There's lots more you could say, but I don't know that you could say a lot more and keep it under 25 minutes. So um, let's end there, and, uh, and then we'll see everybody next week. Great. Thank you. Well, thanks again for joining us on Take a Second for Come Follow Me. Brother Black and myself want to emphasize that in this episode or any other episode, there's nothing that we've said that is meant to or can in any way be interpreted as the official doctrine or policy or practice of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Brother Black and myself simply represent two guys that enjoy talking about Scripture and, and in our own life experiences as it relates to the Gospel of Jesus Christ and, and hope that in sharing some of our thoughts and, and insights, but certainly our personal opinions and nothing more, that uh, maybe it might open up the scriptures a little bit to you. So thanks again for joining us on Take a Second, and we will see you in our next episode.